You are listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, which a lot of people listen on, and that's www.citr.ca. Stay tuned now for The Jazz Show coming right up right now. Thank you. 
We would like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or www.citr.ca for live streaming. And, of course, uh, with that uh, email address or with that address, you can get our podcasts as well, listen to past shows and uh, do all that kind of stuff. And check out the whole CITR website. So, we have a very interesting show this evening to present to you. We're a little later on in the show, after the jazz feature, which is coming up right now, um, we're going to be celebrating the birth date of, of course, one of the all-time greatest Americans, and that's Dr. Martin Luther King, and some music pertaining to his anniversary and his magnificent legacy that he left. Today was the, uh, his birthday anniversary, and of course we all know that Dr. King was killed. He was only 39 years old. We also have another birthday celebration, a great musician who became one of the most famous of all drummers. And he, his drumming has influenced music down through the ages, even though he was most prominent in the 1930s, 1940s, and uh, during the 50s as well. Gene Krupa was born today, um, Polish immigrants in Chicago, and uh, we're se- we'll be celebrating with some great music that uh, Gene Krupa was involved with, and uh, you'll get a chance to hear his magnificent drumming style. He really, um, he was one of the, the pioneers of, of jazz drumming, and uh, of course, uh, he was influenced by African-American drummers, and in turn, he influenced them. Uh, the great drummer Max Roach said that Gene Krupa was one of the great contributors to the whole school of uh, jazz drumming and honored Gene. Uh, everybody loved Gene Krupa. Today was his birthday, so we'll be celebrating some music by him later on in the show, but our jazz feature this evening is one of my favorite musicians, someone I got to know reasonably well as far as getting to know any person of this um, temperament and complexity. I'm talking about Charles Mingus, the great bassist and composer. Mr. Mingus was um, responsible for some incredible music in his career, which ranged from uh, raw, primitive sounds uh, to absolute uh, kind of chaotic sounds to almost um, formal and classical sound. His music just went through the whole range, and also the whole range of emotions. Charles Mingus himself was a a complex human being, multiracial, and, uh, of course, recognized basically as an African-American, but uh, he had other, um, uh, he had uh, different ancestries in his background, uh, including German and Chinese as well. Uh, he suffered when he was a kid, um, and he wrote about this in his, his biography, that um, 
when he went to school, of course, he went to school mostly with, with African-American kids, and uh, he was teased about his color because he was lighter than, than most, and um, his hair wasn't uh, um, uh, kinky, and uh, he was teased about that. And, and uh, this affected somehow his, his personality as well. But again, it, it gets into Mingus' complexities, and, and one can discuss Mingus' personality all night, um, and, and people have ver- uh, very different views of it. Uh, all I remember is that I got, I got along well with him, um, fortunately, and uh, uh, we were always, uh, um, he always knew who I was and remembered me and, and, and was always very cool toward me. So I respect that, and I respected him. Now, during the 1950s, um, Mingus was recognized as a formidable bass player. He had moved from Los Angeles to New York and uh, performed with all kinds of great people as a sideman and was recognized as one of the virtuosos of, of the bass and, uh, um, also. And he began making albums under his own name or recordings under his own name, playing his own music, which was not really within the mainstream of jazz at the time. Mingus was doing different things, experimenting, uh, trying different combinations of, uh, of instruments and so on. He was very much influenced by Duke Ellington, but he put his own stamp on his music. So in the 1950s, Mingus, some of Mingus' recordings uh, were praised. Others were kind of uh, the reviewers would scratch their heads and say, well, what's going on here? It's, it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, blah, blah, blah. And um, Mingus was in the 50s was a, a basically an underground figure. Respected, yes, but an underground figure. And it wasn't until this recording that we're going to hear that all of a sudden Mingus's career seemed to blossom and he became uh, known throughout the country um, via this particular recording. And it was done for Columbia Records. All of a sudden, uh, most of Mingus's recordings were done for independent jazz labels, small labels. Getting a recording with Columbia Records was something, because not only were they Columbia Records, their distribution was incredible, and uh, they were a major record company. And, of course, high quality. The, the sound on Columbia Records was always wonderful, um, and uh, this was a quality product. And Mingus got a chance to record for Columbia Records. He was also um, given free reign as to who he would bring in for the two recording sessions that made up this, this um, uh, classic record. And he was also um, allowed, because most record companies would not do this, once you recorded, it was up to them to program the disc, and uh, they usually left the musicians out of it. But uh, Mingus had full control of this recording, uh, and all the post um, stuff uh, after the recording sessions were done, he was allowed to uh, edit the recordings, uh, and he was allowed to select how 
the um, the music would go down on the records, um, how the music was programmed. So he did have full control. And it's very interesting because uh, his basic band comprised of my good friend John Handy, who played alto and sometimes tenor saxophone. The other uh, musician on here was Booker Irvin, who became Mingus's favorite tenor saxophonist. Um, his piano player was uh, a young man from Pittsburgh, a wonderful piano player who had a um, uh, so he had suffered from childhood polio and overcame that. He had a, uh, his right hand, uh, there were uh, two fingers that were crippled in his right hand, and he, f he, he created a piano style with this um, uh, ailment. And uh, a wonderful uh, uh, pianist, his name, Horace Parlin. And, of course, Mingus on bass, and his main man, Danny Richmond on drums, who had been with him for several years. That was the basic group, Handy, Irvin, Parlin, Mingus, and Danny, the quintet. And that was Mingus's working group for, for clubs. He asked Columbia Records if he could add a couple of people who had uh, already played with him. They were Mingus alumni. And of course, Columbia said, sure. So um, he added uh, Shafi Hadi wonderful player uh, in an ensemble role just to fill out the sound on uh, alto and tenor saxophone. And Shafi, of course, had been a um, regular member of Mingus's band in earlier years. So he was a, an alumnus. And on trombone, Jimmy Nepper, who was Mingus's favorite trombone player, and also another favorite uh, was added uh, when Jimmy wasn't available for the second session, Willie Dennis. So that is basically the personnel of the, of the band uh, for the two sessions. And the album came out, it was called Mingus A-Um. When it was released by Columbia Records, it became a bestseller. And of course, it put Mingus on the map. Also, the record was given rave reviews by everyone. Even some of the doubters that had criticized Mingus in the past loved this recording. And, of course, it, it sold uh, very, very well for a jazz record. And, uh, of course, it opened the door for Charles Mingus. He was no longer in the underground. He was there. All of this was recorded in two sessions in May of 1959 in New York City. And it really is a great Mingus aggregation. He had, he had different bands. Uh, some of them uh, had better quality than others, but the quality of this band and the musicianship was extremely high. These were good bands. And, of course, the music uh, is absolutely marvelous. And it's no wonder the record sold, sold well. And it was also... Um, as I said, the, the critics love the recording. And uh, that's the purpose of uh, all the jazz features this month. We're playing uh, great jazz records that the critics also loved. <laughs> so uh, this one is very special. So we're going to get to the music. Um, once again, the personnel, John Handy on, on tenor and or. Uh, alto and tenor saxophone, Booker Irvin on tenor saxophone, 
and in a ensemble role, Shafi Hadi on alto saxophone and tenor saxophone, uh, Jimmy Nepper on trombone on a few of the tunes, and Willie Dennis on trombone on some of the other tunes. Horace Parlin on piano, Danny Richmond on drums, and Charles Mingus on bass. And we open with one of Mingus's great anthems called Better Get It In Your Soul. And um, that harkens back to Mingus's uh, exposure to Holy Roller churches uh, when he was growing up. And he loved the music. He, he, didn't, he wasn't particularly religious, but when he went to those churches, he went for the music because they had uh, piano and, the, and women and men sang and, and uh, stamped their feet and clapped their hands and did all kinds of stuff. And he was very impressed with that. And better get it in your soul. It's kind of his impression of the, that Holy Roller Church and, of course, with the Mingus stamp on it. Tune number two is a classic dedicated to the late Lester Young, who had just passed away, one of the great fathers of, the, of music, jazz music, and, and Lester always wore a pork pie hat, and this was called Goodbye Pork Pie Hat. There's a beautiful solo on here by John Handy, maybe one of his finest solos, and he plays the tenor saxophone on this. And um, that solo has been duplicated by many people. Joni Mitchell actually made a whole um, tribute to this tune and used uh, John Handy's beautiful tenor saxophone solo as part of the um, melody that she worked on and put words to it. Anyway, we heard tune number two is Goodbye Pork Pie Hat. Tune number three harkens back to his uh, Los Angeles days, um, and it's called Boogie Stop Shuffle. Tune number four is one of my favorites. There's no solos on this. It's strictly an ensemble piece by the three horns, four horns, and it's called Self-Portrait in Three Colors. And uh, I think it's one of the most beautiful melodies Mingus ever wrote. Tune number five is called Open Letter to Duke. And, of course, it's dedicated to Duke Ellington. And it's a, it's a piece that has different movements in it, all in one piece. Very interesting uh, piece of music. Following that is one dedicated to Charlie Parker and features the two horns, John Handy and Booker Irvin. Um, and it's called Bird Calls. Tune number seven is Mingus's Anthem, which became one of his most frequently played tunes. And it was dedicated to one of the most horrible people in American history, Governor Orville Faubus, the segregationalist governor of Arkansas. And uh, Mingus wrote this as a diatribe to Orville Faubus. Unfortunately, Columbia Records wouldn't allow him to put the lyrics. There are lyrics to the tune, but they um, told Mingus that they, um, they didn't want him to do that. So we just, it's the instrumental version of the tune. But you get the idea when you hear it. It's um, a very, very effective piece of music. After Fables of Faubus, things settled down with kind of a nighttime blues. And um, it, it kind of harkens back to uh, uh, earlier jazz days, and it's called the Pussycat Doos. And um, it's kind of a 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, going home kind of a blues. Then uh, tune number nine 
is dedicated to Jelly Roll Morton. And it, uh, the whole idea of this tune is that um, played in an old style and then switches to the modern style. So you hear kind of like a little bit of jazz history right in here in the, in the tune Jelly Roll. The final tune never um, made it to the original album, but it's an interesting piece of music because Minga switches over to piano, and it's kind of a jam for the whole band. Uh, with Mingus driving everything along on piano at first and then and then picking up his bass to close the tune out. And it's called the Pedal Point Blues. So we're going to hear that one too. So, and um, that's it. Mingus uh, um. Once again, the personnel, John Handy on alto and tenor saxophone, Booker Irvin on tenor saxophone, Shafi Hadi on alto and tenor saxophone in this section. No solos. Uh, Jimmy Nepper on trombone on some tunes and Willie Dennis on trombone on some other tunes. Um, Horace Parlin on piano, Charles Mingus on bass, and Danny Richmond on drums. Our jazz feature this evening, Mingus Aum. And we start with Better Get It In Your Soul. Thank <laughs> you. 
Our jazz feature this evening, Mingus Ah-Um. Those of you that uh, might be familiar with Latin, I don't know how many people are out there. Um, that title is, is uh, um, a declension of... Um, a Latin declension of uh, Charles Mingus's name. So uh, there you go. If you've ever studied Latin, you'll know what the, all, all that stuff. Mingus Aum. And of course, as I mentioned before, that's his uh, was his very best-selling album. And that is the album. It was his debut on Columbia Records. And of course, Columbia being a major label uh, with huge distribution and all that kind of stuff. And of course, the Recording quality uh, was uh, the best, and um, also uh, they gave Mingus free reign as to uh, programming uh, the album and also the post-programming uh, and uh, post-editing of the album. Mingus w- uh, supervised it and um, everything else, and of course he was allowed to um, pick who he wanted, and the music that he wanted to play on this album. And, of course, it uh, when it was issued, it, the jazz critics just absolutely raved about it. Uh, the public loved it. Um, and, of course, it became one of the Charles Mingus's classics and his best-selling album. It was a success all around, and, of course, it put Mingus out of the underground and into um, a very important position uh, in the jazz world. And, of course, he never looked back after that. This album was really a door opener. And, of course, um, the people involved here, we heard John Handy, my good friend John, uh, mostly on alto saxophone. Uh, He did play, uh, I'll let you know where he played clarinet and where he played tenor saxophone. Um, Booker Irvin was the other saxophonist. Those were regular members of um, Mingus's working quintet, along with Horace Parlin on piano, uh, Mingus, of course, on bass, and Danny Richmond on drums, who had been with Mingus for a couple of years by that time. And uh, he was allowed to uh, add a couple of people that he wanted uh, in the band. They were Mingus alumni, and uh, one of them was Shafi Hadi, who... Um, only played an ensemble role um, uh, on, the, on these sessions, but uh, he played the alto saxophone as well as the tenor saxophone. And uh, two trombone players, Jimmy Nepper and Willie Dennis. Um, this album was recorded in two sessions in May of 1959, May 5th and May 12th, at uh, the famous 30th Street Studio for Columbia Records. The tunes, the music, that's the most important. We heard Better Get It In Your Soul. Um, of course, that, that was a Mingus classic and a Mingus staple. Um, and uh, it harkened back to Mingus's childhood when he went to the, and heard uh, people singing, shouting, and, and, and praising the Lord in the uh, Holy Roller Churches. And uh, that really got to him, and and he kind of conjured up that whole spirit. Better get it in your soul. The second tune was dedicated to the president of the tenor saxophone, the great Lester Young, who had just passed away. 
And um, Mingus wrote this eulogy to Lester Young and called it Goodbye Pork Pie Hat because Lester always wore a pork pie hat. And a very famous saxophone solo on here, tenor saxophone solo, was done by John Handy. And it's considered one of his finest moments on records. Then we heard a great tune that harkened back to uh, Mingus's Los Angeles days before he moved to New York, a thing called Boogie Stop Shuffle. And it was a cooker by the whole band. And then a beautiful piece without any solos, strictly ensemble. And um, one of my favorite tracks from this whole album, and it was called Self-Portrait in Three Colors. Then we moved to tune number five, which was entitled Open Letter to Duke. And it was a tune in, in basically three movements and um, dedicated to Duke Ellington. Tune number six was dedicated to Charlie Parker and uh, the trombone and the extra saxophone um, were not on this track. It was strictly the the two, uh, uh, John Handy and Booker Irvin, and they did um, performed on a Mingus composition dedicated to Charlie Parker called Bird Calls. Then we followed, and then after Bird Calls, of course, was another one of Mingus's most famous compositions, The Fables of Faubus. Faubus was the segregationist governor uh, in Arkansas. You can read about Governor Orville Faubus if you uh, look him up on the net and find out his ignoble history. And Mingus wrote this piece, um, bitter kind of a piece, and it featured uh, some wonderful solos on here by John Handy on tenor saxophone again, uh, as well as Booker Irvin on tenor saxophone and Horace Parlin on piano. Then we heard a piece uh, which is kind of a late night, 3 o'clock in the morning, going home after an evening out, um, called Pussycat Doos. And uh, that featured some wonderful clarinet work by... John Handy, and um, he didn't often play the clarinet, but he sounded really fine on that piece, and uh, called the Pussycat Doos. And then we heard a piece dedicated to the great Jelly Roll Morton, and it uh, kind of had the old-fashioned kind of ricky-tick rhythms, move moving right into the kind of smoother modern rhythms, and featured the whole band. It was called Jelly Roll, and the final piece of music. Mingus played piano and bass on this. It was not issued on the original um, album, the original LP album, but uh, it certainly was a valid piece of music, and it was called the Pedal Point Blues, and it was kind of a jam uh, with Mingus playing uh, piano and bass and kind of directing the band that way. So that is our lengthy jazz feature this evening dedicated to the memory of the great Charles Mingus and, of course, once again, his, um, w- his most successful recording. I hope you enjoyed the whole thing. And that was our jazz feature. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name is Gavin Walker, and... We'll be right back. We have a couple of uh, messages for you, and we'll be right back with a tribute because today is January 15th. It is the birthday of one of the great Americans, Dr. Martin Luther King, and we'll be paying a musical tribute to Dr. King after these 
uh, important messages, and we shall return. CITR and Discorder presents a workshop on artistic cultural appropriation with Celia Joseph. Come explore the roots of cultural appropriation from a First Nations lens and explore how to identify it, how it affects people, and most importantly, brainstorm ways to prevent it. Join us on Wednesday, January 17th from 6 to 8 p.m. in the AMS Nest, room 2508. This workshop is free and open to the public, but space is limited. So email volunteer at citr.ca to reserve a spot. Are you feeling lost? Confused? Overwhelmed? Do you want to volunteer at CITR and Discorder but just don't know where to start? Well, you can stop stressing because CITR and Discorder are hosting Volunteer Days on Friday, January 19th. Our impressive revamp of Volunteer Wednesdays will leave you breathless and ready for more. With music department workshops, PSA workshops, Discorder workshops, a live broadcasting workshop, and tours all day long. And if you hang out long enough, you can stay for our listening party so your day isn't just productive, it's fun too. We're hosting CATR and Discorder Volunteer Days every month at the station. If you're interested, call 604-822. Just kidding. CATR and Discorder can guarantee an amazing and ride of your lifetime. Ask your mom if Volunteer Days is the right choice for you. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. All right, we are back, and we're going to begin our dedication now to the memory of one of the greatest Americans and someone whose day is being celebrated as a national holiday south of the border, Dr. Martin Luther King. One of the things, um, Dr. King, of course, had been... um, uh, doing a whole lot of uh, uh, crusading at the time um, in the 50s and began to uh, look upon um, the inequalities in American society and decided that uh, he was going to fight and do things to improve society. And one of the great motivators was the horrible incident in 1963 in Birmingham, Alabama, when four little innocent girls were on their way and to school, and the school was bombed by the Ku Klux Klan. That one incident, there were others, of course, But that one incident seemed to be the catalyst that sparked the whole civil rights movement in the South. Uh, 
in the southern states and the whole raise the somehow raise the consciousness that something had to be done and um, it began the the Freedom Riders and of course Dr. King uh, doing sit-ins and uh, risking his life as he did throughout his existence. We're going to play a piece of music that was written by John Coltrane. When uh, John Coltrane was, uh, of course, aware of what was happening in America. And, of course, the incident in Birmingham really shook him up. And he wrote this piece of music and played it with his quartet. It's The Piece is Immortal. It's a very beautiful piece of music and very sad, very poignant. And it expresses his feelings of sadness and rage about what happened. And he called it Alabama. Here is John Coltrane on tenor saxophone with McCoy Tyner at the piano, Jimmy Garrison on bass, and Elvin Jones on drums, Alabama.
makes a speech and never hears the sound the campaign trail winds on and on in towns from coast to coast the winner ain't the one who's straight but he
know I'm not denied But if I tried in certain states From treetops I'd be tied Mendacity, mendacity It seems is everywhere But try and tell the truth We heard two pieces of music, the first being John Coltrane's beautiful, sad, and mournful tribute, eulogy to those four little girls that died in the Ku Klux Klan bombing in Selma, Alabama, and Coltrane titled it simply Alabama. And he was heard on tenor saxophone with his quartet, McCoy Tyner at the piano, Jimmy Garrison on bass, and Elvin Jones on drums. And the second piece of music was um, written by Max Roach and sung by Max's wife of the time, the great late Abby Lincoln. And uh, various people were heard in that particular band, but most prominently, Eric Dolphy on alto saxophone played um, a solo on that piece called Mendacity. And uh, it's particularly timely right now, isn't it? Mendacity seems to be in vogue in U.S. politics. And, uh, of course... The great Max Roach on drums. Um, in the section was Julian Priester on trombone and Booker Little on trumpet. But Eric Dolphy was the uh, prominent soloist on that, and of course, Abby Lincoln, as I mentioned, did the vocal. Max Roach's composition, and those were his words, mendacity. We're going to turn now to baritone saxophonist, the late, great Cecil Payne along with uh, Winton Kelly at the piano, Kenny Dorham on trumpet, Wilbur Ware on bass, and Albert Heath on drums, Tootie. And this is a piece of music written by Cecil Payne for Dr. Martin Luther King, and it's called simply Martin Luther King Jr., I Know Love. The music of baritone saxophonist Cecil Payne.
We heard two pieces of music as a tribute to Dr. Martin Luther King. The first before this one was played by Cecil Payne on baritone saxophone and Kenny Dorham on trumpet, who delivered the melody in such a touching way. Winton Kelly on piano, Wilbur Ware on bass, and Albert Heath on drums. And that piece of music was from uh, Cecil Payne's Strata East album called Zodiac. And uh, the title of that tune was Martin Luther King Jr., I Know Love, written by Cecil Payne. The second piece of music was written by Herbie Hancock. And it was from his final Blue Note album, which was entitled The Prisoner. And uh, that symbolized... The title of that album um, symbolized how Herbie felt about being um, an African-American in America. And the piece of music we heard was uh, the highlight from this album. It's called I Have a Dream. So I think everyone knows the reference there. And that featured Herbie Hancock's uh, band of the time, augmented by a couple of people, uh, including um, Hubert Laws on flute and Jerome Richardson on bass clarinet and Tony Studd on bass trombone, filling out the ensemble. And, of course, the regular members, Johnny Coles, Little Johnny C. on flugelhorn, Garnet Brown on trombone, and the great Joe Henderson on tenor saxophone. And, of course, Herbie Hancock on piano, Buster Williams on bass, and Albert Tootie Heath on drums. I have a dream. Our final tribute to the memory and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And uh, we have uh, a couple of announcements for you. And we're going to be back with a tribute to one of the great, all-time great drummers in jazz who celebrated, celebrated his birthday today, January 15th. I'm talking about Eugene Bertram Krupa, better known as Gene Krupa, and we're going to be hearing some music that he was involved with, and uh, tell you a little bit after we hear these important messages, beginning with this one. member of CITR and Discorder, but are you a true friend? Get a Friends of CITR and Discorder card for $20 for discounts in Kitsilano and around UBC at On the Fringe Hair Design, Rufus Guitar Shop, Stormcrow Ale House, The Bike Kitchen, UBC Bookstore, Australia Boot Company, and so many more. Are you feeling lost, confused, overwhelmed? Do you want to volunteer at CITR and Discorder, but just don't know where to start? 
Well, you can stop stressing because CITR and Disorder are hosting Volunteer Days on Friday, January 19th. Our impressive revamp of Volunteer Wednesdays will leave you breathless and ready for more with music department workshops, PSA workshops, Discorder workshops, a live broadcasting workshop, and tours all day long. And if you hang out long enough, you can stay for our listening party so your day isn't just productive, it's fun too. We're hosting CATR and Discorder Volunteer Days every month at the station. If you're interested, call 604-822. Just kidding. CATR and Discorder can guarantee an amazing and ride of your lifetime. Ask your mom if Volunteer Days is the right choice for you. Those of you that are regular listeners know that we're going to talk about the weather for a minute. And, uh, well, it's uh, we had a nice day today, uh, probably the last day of the of uh, last night's day of the week because uh, it's clouding over tonight. It's going to uh, start raining and going to get windy and go down to about seven, which isn't really cold, but it's uh, you know damp and cool anyway. Tomorrow is going to be showers all day, uh, also windy. Not much variation in temperature, lows of 7, highs of 9. And then Wednesday, rain and windy once again, low of 7, high of 9. Thursday is rain, Friday is rain. Uh, Saturday, cloudy with a 60% chance of a shower with a low of 2, going up to back up to about 7. Oh, and then Sunday, a change of pace, periods of rain, mm, low of 2 and a high of 6. So pretty well a rainy week. And, uh, well, we just have to live with it. We still live, I think, in the, um, even though rain gets us down, uh, we do live in um, the mildest part of Canada compared to, uh, well, what the weather has been elsewhere. We're, we're actually quite fortunate, even though we do complain loud and long about the, uh, the gloomy weather, lack of sunshine and rain and all that sort of stuff. It's, uh, it's, we're still better off. We are. Mm-hmm. I guess <laughs> that's why it costs so much to live here. Whereas if it was really cold, uh, never mind. <laughs> I'm not going to get into that. We uh, are going to now turn our attention to one of the great drummers in jazz. He is actually known, uh, we're talking about Gene Krupa. And of course, um, rock drummers love Gene Krupa, all kinds of, uh, uh, he really was uh, a pioneer of, of drumming, and he's considered to be the founding father of the modern drum kit. And uh, Krupa was born in Chicago, January 15th, 1909, and he died at age 64, died from uh, leukemia and heart failure, uh, October fifteenth, October sixteenth, nineteen seventy-three. He was sixty-four in New York City. Uh, Krupa was a well-liked man. He was a great showman as well, and he kind of was. He was responsible for really putting the 
featuring the drums and, and making people where drums were always sort of in the background, keeping the rhythm. But Krupa was the one that kind of brought the drums to the, to the forefront. And, of course, he was a very innovative and very creative player. He was the, the son of uh, Polish immigrants and raised in Chicago, and he, they were grooming him to be a priest. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> he did go to school for a year, to study the priesthood and decided uh, that really wasn't what he wanted to do. He wanted to play the drums, and that's what he did. And, of course, uh, soon, uh, in the mid-20s, he started his career as a professional musician. Of course, he went on to great fame with the famous Benny Goodman Orchestra and small groups. And, of course, that's where he really, really made his name was with... uh, the great king of swing, Benny Goodman. So we're going to hear Gene in two contexts from uh, Benny Goodman's famous 1938 Carnegie Hall concert. Um, It took place January 16th, 1938. And we're going to hear the Benny Goodman trio first because uh, Krupa does some incredible brushwork on this uh, tune. Uh, Benny, of course, on clarinet, the great Teddy Wilson on piano, and Gene on drums. And they're going to play for you a tune called China Boy, which was kind of a jam session type tune uh, that was very popular in the 1930s. And uh, Krupa is absolutely incredible on this piece. Check them out.
That, of course, was the tune called China Boy, and that was uh, played at the famous Benny Goodman Carnegie Hall concert, which took place tomorrow, January 16th, and I've been reminded that it's the 80th anniversary of that legendary concert, which is uh, one of Benny Goodman's great uh, triumphs musically. And... uh, was really um, significant in the fact that it was the first time jazz had been played uh, at Carnegie Hall with a a great concert. So it really uh, established the status of jazz music. Anyway, that was the trio, one of the finest little small groups, Goodman on clarinet, Teddy Wilson on piano, and the amazing Gene Krupa on drums. And he was the one that was doing all the yelling for the musicians to take one more chorus and, and so on because he was the real catalyst behind that uh, whole performance and uh, playing just magnificently in the style of the day. Now we're going to play this piece of music, which is the big band, and it is... Uh, an incredible performance of their one of their most popular numbers, Sing, Sing, Sing. And it was written by, um, the original tune was written by Louis Prima, and then it was arranged by the great Fletcher Henderson and uh, combined with one of his compositions called Christopher Columbus. Anyway, uh, the whole piece of music was one of Goodman's greatest hits, and it features the magnificent drumming of Gene Krupa, who ties together all the different movements in this piece. And, of course, he is absolutely incredible. The soloists in here, of course, you'll hear uh, Mr. Goodman on clarinet. Uh, Later on, you'll hear Harry James on trumpet. And uh, a little short solo by um, tenor saxophonist uh, uh, Babe Russen. And also the magnificent piano solo which was totally spontaneous. This wasn't part of the arrangement. Goodman just pointed uh, at, at pianist Jess Stacy basically and said, play. And uh, he had to make up this whole, <laughs> this whole thing right on the spot. Goodman did stuff like that, but that's the sign of a good leader. He knows when magic is happening, and he just did it. Anyway, this performance um, that took place at the Carnegie Hall concert featuring Gene Krupa. Here we go with Sing, Sing, Sing.
Yes, that was the climax of the uh, famous Carnegie Hall concert, which uh, took place January 16th, 80 years ago, 1938. And that was the Benny Goodman Orchestra with Gene Krupa just guiding everything with, uh, with his drumming. And, of course, that was one of the big, big, huge hits for uh, the King of Swing, Benny Goodman. And uh, it was written by Louis Prima and uh, sort of spliced together with a composition by Fletcher Henderson called Christopher Columbus. But it was uh, known as Sing, 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 which was Louis Prima's original title. And, uh, of course, that featured um, solos by Mr. Goodman, on clarinet, we heard uh, Babe Rusin on tenor saxophone, uh, also the great Harry James on trumpet, and uh, of course this uh, uh, another solo by Benny Goodman, and then that uh, spontaneous piano solo at the end by the great late Jess Stacy, and of course the drumming of Gene Krupa. We haven't finished with Mr. Krupa yet. We're going to take you to town hall in new york um for this uh next set with his own trio uh an interesting little band all built around the drums and of course it featured the one of the great virtuoso tenor saxophonists charlie ventura one of my favorites and um mr ventura on tenor saxophone george walters on piano and of course Mighty Gene Krupa on drums. And we're going to hear three tunes. Uh, we're going to open with uh, a tune that was actually written by Chick Webb, Benny Goodman, Edgar Sampson. Famous tune called Stomping at the Savoy. Then we're going to hear a version of Johnny Green's Body and Soul. And we're going to end the three-tune set uh, with a tune called The Limehouse Blues. And this was, uh, re- as I said, recorded at Town Hall in June of 1945, the Gene Krupa Trio. Thank you. 
That was recorded at Town Hall in New York in 1945, and that was the Gene Krupa Trio, our final tribute to this uh, great, innovative drummer with this uh, incredible little trio with uh, Charlie Ventura on tenor saxophone and George Walters on piano, and of course, the great Gene Krupa on drums. We heard three tunes. Um, this was their set that they played. At, uh, at this particular concert. It was an all-star concert with all kinds of people there. And um, we opened with Stompin' at the Savoy, written by Benny Goodman and Chick Webb, then Body and Soul, uh, written by Johnny Green, and the final tune was uh, an old standard called the Limehouse Blues. And, of course, uh, the great Gene Krupa, who was born January fifteenth, 1909, in Chicago, and died at the age of 64 from leukemia. Sad to say, October 16th, 1973. One of the most talented men and, uh, in jazz music and um, a wonderful person as well. I've heard so many people talk about Gene Krupa. What an incredible, um, not only his musicianship, but what a, a, a marvelous person uh, who helped out a lot of musicians that were kind of falling by the wayside and Krupa would always lend them money or give them money, and and um, very, very kind-hearted man. Class act, Gene Krupa. We're going to uh, turn our attention now to the final part of the show. We have a few more things to play. just like to remind you that you are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR, regular feature here every Monday night. We start at 9 o'clock. And we carry on till well after midnight. My name's Gavin Walker. We're also on the web, which is www.citr.ca. Now, there's a couple of websites um, to get onto to find out what's going on in and around the city about uh, jazz music. And one of them is uh, run by Brian Nation, and he administers this one. And it's VancouverJazz.com. There's lots of interesting links on there and, and some uh, uh, valuable information on the scene. And, of course, the other website is CoastalJazz.ca. That's a very comprehensive website. They have the uh, schedule there at Frankie's, um, Vancouver's leading jazz club, and all sorts of um, other things that you can uh, get onto in that particular website. 
Um, there's a free festival coming up in February, which will take place um, at Performance Works down in Granville Island, sponsored by the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. And it's uh, a whole bunch of wonderful free concerts with uh, international stars, um, resident musicians, and all that kind of stuff. And it's February 23rd to the 25th. Check that one out at coastaljazz.ca and all the other stuff that's on that particular website. We turn our attention now to uh, Art Pepper, one of the great voices of the alto saxophone. This is from an album. This was his first in eight years. He had, um, well, Art had a very troubled career involving drugs and uh, prison sentences and all that kind of stuff, and he was totally off the scene for about eight years, didn't record at all. Uh, between 1968 and 1975. And his uh, comeback recording on contemporary records was called Living Legend. And um, Art had a whole bunch of new things to play for you on the album Living Legend. We're just going to hear one track right now. But this one is a blues written uh, for a gentleman who... uh, Uh, helped Art um, acquire a whole bunch of new horns and give him a sponsorship from uh, buffet saxophones. And he went around and was able to uh, uh, do clinics and uh, make some some good money doing that. And, of course, he had a whole slew of brand-new horns to play. And uh, he plays one of them on, uh, on this. Of course, he's playing alto saxophone, his main instrument, along with Hampton Hawes on piano. Charlie Hayden on bass, and Shelley Mann on drums. And this is a tune dedicated to the, um, the gentleman that set Art up uh, with buffet instruments and uh, uh, allowed him to become a clinician, all that sort of stuff, uh, a gentleman named Yohei. And so Art wrote this tune for him. It's called Mr. Yohei. All right, here's Art Pepper. Thank you. 
We heard two pieces of music there, both excursions into the blues. The first one was um, by Art Pepper from an album called Living Legend, and it was his uh, first recorded album in uh, almost in seven years. And it was done in 1975 in Los Angeles with uh, Art, of course, on alto saxophone, Hampton Hawes on piano, Charlie Hayden on bass, and Shelley Mann on drums, and it was called Mr. Yohe, um, dedicated to a friend of arts, and uh, it was 12-bar blues. And the second was a 12-bar blues, too, but it was just two people. The great J.J. Johnson, one of the masters of the trombone and, and certainly a pioneer of modern jazz, and Rufus Reed on bass. Uh, all recorded in 1988 at the Village Vanguard, and that was entitled Sonny's Blues, and written by Sonny Stead, actually, and J.J. Uh, Johnson and Rufus Reed. We're going to stick with the blues for our final tune for uh, tonight's show, and we're going to take you to the realm of one of my favorite tenor saxophonists, Teddy Edwards with that uh, wonderful smoky kind of sound that he gets out of the tenor. And uh, his working group at the time, which included Joe Castro on piano, no relation to Fidel, <laughs> and um, Leroy Vinegar on bass, and a very young Billy Higgins on drums. And, of course, the blues that they're going to play was written by Charlie Parker and called Billy's Bounce. Here, then, is Teddy Edwards. <laughs> Thank you. 
Teddy Edwards, one of the great voices of the tenor saxophone, along with Joe Castro on piano, Leroy Vinegar on bass, and Billy Higgins on drums. And, of course, that was a tune called Billy's Bounce, written by Charlie Parker. For his booking agent, (laughs) his name was Billy Shaw, and uh, Charlie Parker wrote a tune in honor of his booking agent. Not too many musicians are going to do that. Anyway, I guess Billy Shaw was a good one. Billy's Bounce. Well, that's it for this edition of The Jazz Show on CITR. And uh, if you stayed with us for the whole show, great. And if you stayed with us for a few minutes or an hour or whatever, great. And uh, we hope to uh, see you again next week. Feel free to drop by. We start at 9 o'clock every Monday night right here on CITR, and we carry on, of course, until after midnight, well after midnight. So uh, feel free to drop by anytime. My name's Gavin Walker. This has been another edition of The Jazz Show, and uh, we shall be back in seven days' time. You are listening to CITR FM 101.9, broadcasting from the campus of the University of British Columbia, right out here on the west side of Vancouver on unceded Musqueam territory. And, of course, we're also on the web, www.citr.ca. Take care, and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you.